Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week, the man, the myth, the legend, Lavender Gooms. Indeed. I appreciate you uh, giving me the correct superlatives, Bobby. And a lot of good days today, but I'm only going to say one. Happy National Paloma Day. Okay. Can you, can you expand? I don't know what a Paloma is. Thank you. I was waiting for someone. <laughs> to I wasn't going to give the satisfaction. Is. Well, you see, Bobby, that's why you give it and you take it away like an asshole. But thank you, Mark. Thank you for, for giving me the end to say what a Paloma is. I'm just if people could see Mike right now, they'd ask, they'd wonder the audacity of the man to call anybody an asshole with that stupid, stupid look on his face and the outfit he's chosen. But go ahead, Mike. Excuse me. Uh, I look amazing with this do-rag on. I've actually mm. had this do-rag for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. I wash it every so often, though. Don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, Paloma is the national Smells drink like of ass. Mexico. Yo, yo, my man. <laughs> Can you let me work? Okay, go ahead. Anyway, uh, it is a cocktail made with tequila and grapefruit soda. Oh, okay. Okay. Go. Nice. That's right. After the pour podcast, Mike's going to get Mike's gonna get a, spin, a grapefruit spring drift and pour it into a, a little bit of Cuervo. And we're, he's going to celebrate the drink accordingly, right, Mike? I'm actually all out of Spindrift, so I actually need to reorder. Right on. Um, well, grapefruit is a, a very important part of the Costco three-pack of Spindrift, so we always have a lot of that. Anyway, um, folks, there was a card this past weekend. Uh, I didn't watch any of it. Mark and Mike watched the main event. We'll talk about that shortly. Um, I think we talked about it last week, though, guys, what we, what this podcast is going to be about this week. And um, I guess it depended on how much of a game changer this contract was. And it turns out quite a game changer. Fran- we're talking about Francis Ngannou's deal with the uh, Professional Fighters League, a.k.a. the PFL. Um, there's a lot of things that are going on in this contract. Um, I'm going to try to hit the big bullet points here. And if I miss anything... Someone try to tell me if I miss anything, right? So it sounds mm-hmm. like this is a contract for two or three fights for Francis. Um, and it's not going to, he's not going to fight for them until, it's going to be on pay-per-view and it's not going to be until next year. And we're going to talk about the reasons for the delay of one year. Um, some of it is on Francis's side, but I think the more we talk about it, we're going to realize a lot of this is on the PFL side about why they want it to be a year until they fights. So two or three fights, a guarantee of a high seven-figure purse for each fight. I think that means at least seven million dollars would be the word for high seven high seven figure purse, right? Minimum seven or eight, probably. He's gonna get a part of a split in the net profits of the events. He's gonna get a signing bonus or salary to serve as a brand ambassador for the PFL. He has he can wear his own sponsors in the cage. He can do whatever the fuck he wants with boxing. There's no champions clause or other extensions, and his opponent um, will get a minimum two million dollar. Uh, pay to fight Francis. That last part being especially important. Um, another thing, Francis is also going to be um, 
uh, a part of is he's going to be the chairman of their new expansion initiative uh, called PFL Africa. PFL Europe already exists, um, apparently a fairly profitable operation. Um, some other stuff that we didn't get in writing that Francis is still pushing for, of course, is the whole thing about health insurance and uh, having a fighter act advocate and yada, yada, yada. Um, but this is a massive, massive deal. Um, we had a lot of people, Mike, um, out here talking about Francis fumbled the bag and Francis is scared of this and Francis is scared of that. And I just want to give a shout out to the UFC really putting this 300. What's their, what's their profit margin right now, Mike? How many million did they make last year? 300 and something uh, million? $387 million. $387 million. So they probably had $387 million, $10,000, but they spent $10,000 buying just a mountain of fake social media bullshit accounts, right? Of like anytime anybody brings up Francis Ngannou, you get a bunch of people calling him a pussy and he fucked up and he's scared of John Jones and he fumbled the bag and, you know, he's asking for too much and it's unreasonable. And yeah, he was never a draw and fuck, he wasn't even that good, right? He wasn't even good. All of these things um, sound very suspiciously like the guy running the operation over there, if, you know, just oddly enough. Um, turns out, Mike that he knew exactly what he was doing. Because I can't tell you this was necessarily a good deal for the PFL, but you know who it was a good deal for? Francis fucking Ngannou. That sounds well, about right. Mike, what was your reaction when you read this? Because I honestly was just like, well fucking played, man. What did you think? I, I was honestly pretty surprised by how much Francis got. I obviously wasn't in the camp um as the bots and Dana White in terms of uh, he fumbled the bag and he's not worth nearly what he think he is. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in that camp. I definitely wasn't thinking he was worth all of this. I mean, we were, um, remember we were talking about it. We're like, well, maybe money isn't his only uh, deciding, only the drive isn't his driving factor. Turns out it's not his only driving factor, but he still took care of that factor too. Well, I mean, it seems money is a pretty big part of this. Mm. However, it's not as cynical as just that because it's not just his money he was looking out for. Um, I mean, you don't often see in at least in the U in MMA. I don't know about in boxing, um, but you don't often see people advocating for their opponents, whoever that opponent shall be, to get a automatic, you know floor of, of of this amount which is pretty unprecedented i would say in mma is this gonna work out for pfl to be honest i don't think it is um as much as i like francis francis isn't exactly like a transcendent superstar to be honest and this isn't me being a hater or anything but i don't think he is going to drive as much income and revenue towards the pfl to justify this gargantuan deal so mike do you um you obviously know what a loss leader is right yes so i uh for those of people who don't know what a loss leader is i think the best way of describing it's I don't know, something, how to put it in something that you run it's something that you run Mm. at a cost or at a loss mm. but it's what gets people in the door to buy the other things at your establishment or at your business that are profitable so i think this might work kind of on that level and it's not even like that he i mean not in the traditional sense of like 
Francis, not like it, just like, oh, it's like not even to like the other fans. I think the most important thing of everything I said earlier in the contract was the $2 million. That was not Francis just being a nice guy. That was, that wasn't even for us. That wasn't for us to read. That was for the 600 UFC fighters under contract. Because what this says is this MMA organization is paying. And next time the UFC comes at you with a six-fight fucking extension, you can tell them to shove it up your ass, quite frankly. Because why would you ever agree to that? Um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to do this. But, uh, I mean, Marcus, I was talking, I was listening to Luke Thomas. Um, and he was talking about the deal. And he said, this may work. It may not work for the PFL. But that being said, they cannot operate without pay-per-view. You will just slowly die as an MMA organization. Like, they will slowly die as an MMA organization if they don't have pay-per-view as a means of getting paid, right? They are not, they aren't owned by a TV network like Bellator, who Bellator, I mean, like Showtime's trying to sell them anyway. They will just lose money slowly. They are not going to survive off of the TV rights deal, the rights deal being on ESPN+. Plus. So they kind of had to do something. Um, whether this works or not, putting that aside, what was your takeaway in general of like this deal Francis signed? Uh, yeah. Generally, I wasn't honestly too shocked. Sorry, my internet's going to be so crappy today. I can just feel it. Mm-hmm. I'm already, I'm already busting out. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was too surprising. He went to PFL. I don't think it was all that surprising after the deal they made with Jake that he was made a partner and that you know his his deal was more than just what he was doing in the octagon. It was going to be more stuff outside of the octagon. It was going to be getting a percentage of the pie. And that's that's not necessarily what he said he wanted from the UFC as much as he wanted the freedom. But I, I guess at the end of the day, I was I wasn't surprised the PFL was willing to give so much to Francis, given potentially where they are in the market share. And like you said, like this pay per view expansion is going to be really big for them. They're obviously putting a lot of hype behind it. They're you know, and I think it, it's even outside of potentially the fights they're going to make because so far we have no idea what fights they're going to make for the pay-per-view. And I think as a fan, that's what I'm still a, it's great. We know where he's going. You know, we didn't know what he was doing exactly. Um, I, I think you're probably alluding to at some point, Bobby, he still wants to box this year. And that's, that's one of the reasons why he wants to wait until next year. So it's good. We got some answers on where he's going to land and where he's going to fight. But we said it last week. It's the, the thing I most, interested in i think that's what most people are interested in, like who is he going to fight you know that's a big part of this to get me excited for that potential fight him just being in the pfl i think it's good for them i think it's good for the pay-per-view you know i, I kind of do disagree with mike to some extent i do think he's a fairly big star to but to mike's point too i don't know if he's big enough in and of himself to to carry the numbers that they're they're paying for him so it really does come down to who is he going to fight that's going to really garner a lot of interest of the fans to buy into a product that probably, honestly, a lot of them aren't familiar with, right? I think a lot of, I think, and it, the PFL has to be banking on that, right? They have to be banking on this pay-per-view is going to bring a lot of new fans potentially, or it's a failure, right? If they just get the people that are watching the the weekly, bi-weekly product and are following the season to pay for the pay-per-view, it's not going to be profitable. They're, Francis 
you know, investment will not pay off that way. They need to get a lot of the UFC fans interested. And I think they're doing a lot of things potentially to garner their interest, not just by having Jake involved and now having Francis, but I, I think this is something that we talked about, Bobby, you know, having his opponent have a baseline high payday will potentially get a lot of the free agents that are out there in the heavyweight division to be interested in and start following up with the PFL. And I think too, and maybe again, this is something you might be alluding to, but like maybe there's some UFC fighters that are at the end of their contract are like, well, you know, I need two more fights or it ends this year. And then I'm a free agent. Maybe I can make a big fight with Francis, you know, who knows? Um, but that's really the sticking point for me. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm, not surprised, but I'm glad he's getting all the things he's getting. I'm a little surprised of the the money, right? I just didn't know if PFL was as profitable as they are to have this big payday and to give him such a big cut. I think they have a lot of money behind them, like f- a VC and stuff like that. VC, like you literally just said, like Luke Thomas is like, if they don't have a pay per view, they're gonna they're gonna bleed money and eventually die. And it's like they haven't had a pay per view for a decade, right? They had a World series of fighting and. Uh, have they, they had the one you? they had the one with like four title fights with Kayla Harrison and all that was a title. OK, fight. well, whoosh. I'm sure I think they sold like 20 very well. I think they sold like 25,000 pay-per-views. They did sell shit. So, I, I, yeah. So that being said, like, I don't know. Like, I, that's why I was kind of surprised. Like, oh, they are going to because that was the thing, too. It's like, OK, he's leaving the UFC. The UFC was going to promise him a bunch of money. He wants all these other things, you know, so he stood by his guns. Hey, good for him. Is he going to take, you know, a financial? cut to have some of that freedom that's what i kind of thought like he's not gonna make as much money in the ufc but he's gonna have the freedom he wants and it seems like he's making as much if not more and he has all the freedom so it seems like everything well the ufc thing was also like people are just like he's turning down eight million a fight no he made eight million if he fought john jones and kept the title and then beat another Mm. guy and kept the title again and then beat another guy all right that's how he was making eight million dollars okay um Look. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's just like, I, and I think a lot of people, who is he going to fight? There's some time for lead up. What's the box? We still don't know. We, we know what he's planning still. We don't know who he's fighting. And once that's announced, then, you know, then we can I, get I, more I think it excited. Has, I mean, Mike, it has to be somebody from the UFC, right? It's got to be one of these yeah, guys and, in the top 10, right? Like somebody. And, and, go ahead. Sorry. And the other thing is, so, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Bob. And then the other thing is. People or bots, people, Dana White, whoever's insinuating that he's a pussy for not wanting to fight John Jones, and to what you said about he would get eight mil if he beat John Jones, kept the title, then beat the next guy and kept the title. If you have a choice between fighting arguably one of the greatest fighters ever and then someone else who's, you know, let's say the top of, of the sport, which is what the UFC is. Then you get eight mil or you just go to this other place and get that buddy guaranteed. Why in the world would you stay at the UFC? Well, I mean, I think that's an implication that somehow he wants the easier fight. I think that what that well, tells how me, does honestly, that make you a pussy? that makes you a good business. Well, I mean, I don't even think that's even um, that's not my my look over there is like they're going to pay you eight million dollars to fight John Jones. They're going to pay you seven, eight million to fight just somebody. One of these is the biggest MMA organization in the world that we'll talk about it. One point what one point one four billion in revenue in 2022. Right. More revenue than they've ever got before. Sounds to me like $8 million isn't enough to fight John Jones in the UFC. That doesn't seem like the right number to fight John Jones in the UFC, if you ask me. Seems like it should be more money. 
No? Am I missing something here? Because it sounds like they have a much the, more the PFL, money to make. The PFL and the UFC, just based off the revenue we just saw. We don't know what the PFL's revenue is. But I, I got a feeling that the UFC should be able to splash a bit more money around for like the best heavyweight in the world. UFC could have taken UFC made like four hundred million dollars in profit last year. They could have given every UFC fighter a fifty five thousand dollar check if they wanted to. I mean, they didn't, no, but they could have. Huh? Crazy talk. They could have. Crazy talk. They could have. Um. So the I'm bit- sorry, Bob. But I, what was your original question? Um, There's got to be a UFC fighter. He's fighting. I mean, yeah, I'm just like, I mean, like, I, if you're, I if, you're if you're Derek Lewis, Mike, if you're Derek Lewis, you've already mm-hmm. fought Francis and Ganu, and it was a stinker. Whatever. You're Derek Lewis. You're 37. Derek Lewis is as old as us, roughly, right? 37, 38, maybe. Yeah. You have a bad back. You're not fighting for a title, right? You're paid well by the UFC, allegedly. Apparently, Derek Lewis gets paid. You know, your contract's coming up. You gonna sign up for another six fights, or are you gonna go talk to these other guys for okay, ten times what you're making now? Well, I think that's probably the one fight in the top 15 in the UFC heavyweights that they're probably going to be like, no, we've seen that fight. We're not taking that risk. No, I mean, they, they'll, they'll take any of them. And I'm just going down the line here. There's nobody here in the UFC top 15 making $2 million a fight. There's not a single one of them. Uh, Probably not, no. Maybe, maybe Stipe. Maybe Stipe? Maybe. No, I don't think so. I don't think Stipe is getting more than, Stipe is getting $2 million if this thing sells $2 million pay-per-views. That's how much Stipe makes. I don't think Stipe is making more than like 750 base plus pay-per-view at that. In the UFC, you think Stipe gets in a contract to fight every the UFC every time because they're paying him $2 million a fight? Nobody's making this much money. They should be. I don't know. I'm just saying like if you're Curtis Blades and you can't fucking get out. I mean, you're not going to fight John Ngannou a fourth time. But like any of these guys, you know, you're Alex, you're, you're Sergey Spivak. You're fucking Marcin Tybura. You're any of these guys. You're fucking... I'm Stipe Miocic. I don't know how many fights Stipe's left, got left on his contract. I, if they could, Mark, that'd be the one. Just putting it out there. They get the third fight. They get Stipe. Stipe? That, I don't know what Stipe. I know the whole sunset UFC got rid. The whole there was a gap in time where the people could leave the UFC with their shit just riding out. I think they might have closed that thing because they realized that fucking no one's gonna come after the UFC for anything they do these days. But I don't know. Just saying. I don't think a single person here should sign a six fight deal with the UFC ever again. I don't think anybody in any heavyweight. I think I don't see any. I think every I think every MMA or every MMA fighter, every UFC fighter, when they're coming up to that free agent conversation, say, "I'd like to fight out my contract. I want to know what's out there." That's what this is for. That's they're paying. They all should be doing that anyway, right? Like they all should have been doing that. Bellator's out there. PFL was out there. One was out there. You should get to being a free agent, right? The UFC makes you fight in fucking Zimbabwe on the undercard against some Dagestani. You may or may not win. Then you go to pre-agency. But I don't know. I think this is a big deal. I really think this is a big deal if MMA fighters remove their heads from their asses. I I mean, I think they have a – PFL has a better shot because they have this longevity. Mm. But it's not the first time we've seen a fight organization come in and throw a lot of money around Mm. and be like, hey, we want to be a major player, right? And a lot of those organizations kind of fell apart. So – It'll be interesting to see if they can maintain this kind of financial share and stick around. Um, well, I'm not even talking seen- about like the, for their end of it. I'm talking about for the fighter because it's not like Andre Arlovsky went and got 900000 from Affliction and the UFC didn't welcome him back. Go get paid. They'll let you back in if this thing falls apart, right? That's true. Well, I mean, I do wonder. I mean, it, 
I do imagine probably for most of these guys, they won't get the hard sl- door slammed in their face like they kind of did with Francis. Right when Francis left, if Francis wanted to his- come back, they'd sign him tomorrow. Don't believe a word that you think they're not going to. They're yeah. sitting there. We're, we're sitting there. Fumbling, talk about fumbling the bag. They fumbled John Jones and Francis and Ganu. That was yeah. going to be the biggest pay per view they were going to do in so long. That's they. Were, oh my god. If right now Francis said, hey, give me that offer again, you know, put 500000 on top of it, they'll give it to him right now. Yeah, no, I mean, you're probably right. right. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even though they, they've they vocally have been very, you They know, say a lot of things. Tossing him under the bus. Yeah, I think they'd be welcome <laughs> back as soon as they can make some big money off of him again, which is all they really care about, so. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about what, they, what the reaction was. Um, complete positivity, except for two people. The guy who watched his big paycheck when I walk across the street to the PFL, Mr. John Jones, he said, uh, John Jones, who praised Francis Ngannou at first, by the way, for his stance, by the way, um, but now says, ha ha, imagine saying you're the baddest man in the world uh, from across the street, right? And what was Francis's uh, response? Was it a uh, like, something about like just just cross the street? Cross then. The street with me. Yeah. Cross the street? yeah, cross the street. Let's yeah. both make a ton of money crossing the street yeah. and just forget the UFC. You know why not? And then the other one was Dana White, who said, uh, "Let's see if I can say uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. You're going to pay a guy not to fight for a year. It's already been 14 months. He's fought three times in the last three years. Oh, I wonder why. Okay, we'll get to Francis's response to this in a minute, but um, that's why we released him. Okay." Francis wants to take zero risks. He didn't want to take a chance with John Jones. He saw what happened to Cyril Gone. I don't blame him. Blah, blah, blah. There was something else about Francis being fat somewhere in here. I don't know. PFL is going to pay this guy to train for a boxing match that may or may not happen and they might not be involved with. Um, Anthony Joshua called this a gimmick. Dana White just babbled for a while, right? Um, real quick before I give you Francis Ngannou's response, I'm going to give you guys a list of UFC, uh, of African-American UFC champions. That have existed since Dana White became the um, the president. Who Dana White and, and Zufa took over the UFC. Okay, this isn't me making any accusations. I'm just going to give you a list of their of their black champions during that time, specifically African Americans. So I'm not talking about Izzy. I'm not talking about Anderson. Black. Okay, Daniel Cormier, John Jones, Rampage Jackson, Rashad Evans, Jamal Hill, Tyrone Woodley, Kamara Usman, Leon Edwards, Benson Henderson. Aljamain Sterling, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Here's the list of those guys that Dana White has not criticized publicly. Jamal Hill. The Sajar, is Sajara Eubanks uh, African-American? Add it to the list. Sajara Eubanks. I didn't know if she was African-American or not, but Sajara Eubanks. I'm, that's not, another one. I'm not sure either. You keep talking. I'm going to go check. Yeah. There's another one there. That's the list. And the one he hasn't criticized, he hasn't publicly lambasted for anything. Jamal Hill. Not making any particular claims here. Just want to point that out because, uh, you know, he makes fun of a lot. He shits on a lot of his champions. There's just a high percentage going on with the black dudes and black folks, seems like. Just pointing it out there. Um, So Mr. Ngannou saw uh, Dana White's uh, insults. Uh, Well, now I can't find the goddamn thing. Um... Francis Ngannou's response to Dana White was as follows. What is your problem with me? 
One, I completed my contract, was a free agent, and chose to walk away. You didn't release me. Here's my comment. Yeah, we know. Sure. We know. I hate taking risks. That's number two. Number two, I hate taking risks. Is that why I defended my title to fulfill my contract with no MCL or ACL? True. Next. Three, the reason I fought three times in three years is because you wanted to control my deal and sign a new one and freeze me out. Quote, I owe these guys three fights a year, unquote. Isn't that what you say? What happened? I always asked for and never said no to any fight in the three years. True. Um, next, I'm finally getting paid and respected and have a deal that's fair and equal for all parties. Why are you so against me being free and happy? All of that being true. Um, look, we all know why he insulted the deal. It's a threat to their business model. So what this is. Right? It's a threat to their business model. Dana White's being competitive. He's trying to land, but he's trying to shit on the deal, is what it is. Um, is there any reason to, to believe anything that comes out of this man's mouth at this point, Mike? Like, at, at any, if there ever was, I mean, he's a fight promoter. You never should have, but like, really, like, what are we doing here? Uh, in normal circumstances, no. Uh, especially in this case where he just seems to have a bit more vitriol for for Ngannou than he's had for other guys in the past, which is really saying something. Mm -hmm. No, no, there's no reason at all. Um, yeah, Dana White's an ass. Yep. Um, so, Marcus. Mm -hmm. I guess what do we just, just wait and see now, huh? We see what Francis does. We see what 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 comes of this. We see if anybody else bites. We see what else they sign. Because I mean, PFL's going for it, right? They're gonna they're gonna buy Bellator. I love that idea. Honestly, I think that's a great idea. We talked about it last week, but I'm not sure what else we can say right now. Besides, let's see what happens, huh? Yeah, I mean, I uh, the the biggest question is who's this opposition going to be? How are they going to build mm -hmm. that card? Um, and what does that pay-per-view card look like? You know, does is Jake Paul going to be involved in it? Obviously, he'll have enough time after the Nate Diaz fight to heal and potentially. I mean, are they still going to be on ESPN by that point too? Like, does that what happens to the? Uh, yeah, there is a TV contract up by then, or I mean, does he, does, does 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 the UFC tell ESPN, hey? Yeah, they can't be on. There. I, mean, I, I mean, nobody dictates anything to Bob Iger and Disney, but like maybe like sure. you know, we don't want to be a we're. We don't want to be in competition with our, our competitions also on this network. ESPN might be like, you mean to tell me we can have the entire sport, even this like 2% of the sport that exists with, you know, if Sifty PFL buys Bellator, they might mm -hmm. say, fuck it, we'll keep it. But, but, but yeah, I'm just interested to see, you know, they're making a big push into pay-per-view, right? Apparently they had one before. I was unaware. We probably talked about it on the show, but obviously it didn't leave, you know, a big impression. Um, but this Shot is a much bigger expiring. push. They're trying to get more star power, which I think has always been what they lacked. You know, I, mm. I can't speak to the talent there. I, knowing some of the people over there, I think it, it is a very talented organization. There's a lot of good fighters there. They have little to no name recognition. So it's going to be interesting to see how they attempt to build this card. Is it always just going to, is it only going to be off the back of people that have name recognition like Francis and Jake and who are they going to fight? Cause you know, maybe Jake and Nate Diaz, fight in MMA after the boxing match, depend, depending on how that goes. Francis, we all agree, needs to have an opponent that is known to the, the masses and has some kind of appeal there. And then what's the rest of the card look like? Does the PFL want to put their own stars on that card, knowing that you're going to be paying for Jake and Francis? And then we want, like, like you said, a loss leader. We want you to, to get, you know, 
intrigued by our roster of fighters who are going to be fighting more regularly on our bi-weekly shows. So maybe they put some of those guys in, but maybe they don't because we want to go hard into pay-per-view. We only want people you know, guys that have name recognition. We're going to try to, you know, garner or try to go after those fans that are UFC fans, that are Bellator fans, because they follow the guys that they've watched 10 years ago or something. You know, just I'm very interested to see what that card looks like and how they tried to build it. You know, they have some interesting pieces here to build off of, obviously with Francis and, you know, a large cash payout, almost like a bounty who wants to take it up to, to fight Francis for a huge paycheck. And I think there's some interesting potential fights out there, but it'll be, you know, it'll be compelling to see where it lands and how successful it is. And if it actually can, you know, threaten the UFC, because obviously that's what's going on is it's not just that Dana's threatened because they have Francis who's, you know, the baddest, you know, motherfucker in the world or whatever you want to say because he's a heavyweight champion. But the other side of that is like we have a different financial model that is going to be more beneficial to the fighters. And does that make the big difference that I think the UFC is most scared of is just like, hey, I, I want to fight for this organization where I'm getting a piece of the pie and I'm getting a be- better slice of the revenue. And is that enough to take off and to get the, you know, the big stars to go over there and do something with them? I have no idea, but it'll be interesting to see how it all, you know, lays out. Yeah. Um, Mike, let's keep the train rolling here. Uh, speaking of Aljamain Sterling um, and speaking of black UFC champions, the, the owner of the promoter doesn't seem to like Aljamain Sterling. So Aljamain Sterling so what happened over the let's just make sure we understand Aljamain Sterling situation. So last Monday he was on the MMA hour and he was like, you know, like, yeah, you're gonna fight O'Malley in Boston, you know, in front of a bunch of possibly racist people in August, right? And Wait, Alger- he said that? Uh, no, that's me. This is me. That's my summer. Oh. oh and okay. uh, and Aljamain's like, uh yeah, I mean, I gotta make sure he's like, I got a bunch of shit hurt with me. Let me get some x-rays, you know. I'm pretty beat up. I just fought, you know, allegedly the way they promoted it, the greatest combat sports athlete ever or whatever, and Henry Cejudo. I just beat I just beat him, you know, fought him for half an hour. Let's get that checked out. Um, so, and then the next day, in an effort to drown out the Francis Ngannou news, the UFC did a news dump of just, just throwing up stuff. And among them was like, yeah, Al Jermaine versus O'Malley is set for August in Boston. And everybody who saw the MMA hour, which is, Look, Dana White can diminish it all you want. All the MMA, all the hardcores know what happens on the MMA hour. It's Ariel just produces news for MMA websites, right? That's what he does. Everybody was just like, uh, "We got that X-ray. Is he okay? Uh, what happened?" Um, and then apparently Aljamain Sterling, and then like someone asked like Dana White at the press conference in the middle of him shitting on, you know, Francis and Ganu. Um, what about Aljamain Sterling? And he's just like. Aljamain Sterling apparently keeps getting in his own way, right? Which, he didn't even say I'm not taking the fight. He just said, let me just make sure I'm okay, you know? But apparently he also said, like, I will, I'll be there, right? And, um, well, uh, Aljamain really didn't appreciate that. Aljamain was just like, Go hey, figure. man, like, what do you, what do you want me to do for you, like, He's like, what? He's just like, he's like, I get that you don't want me to. You basically said, like, I get you don't want me to be your champion. Everybody with eyes know that UFC doesn't want him to be their champion, right? Like, we all can sell, right? You know, and some of that is Aljamain's fault, right? Um, 
Dana, and Alderman's like, Dana's super nice behind cold, closed doors, but then he goes on in front of the public and says, I can't get in my own way. He's like, what is it? And he's quote, like, what does that even mean? Just to clarify what that even means. Just clarify what that even means. If you're going to say that because of me saying, yeah, I'm fighting, but I'm also banged up and I want to see how my body feels. You know, there's never been a fight that was scheduled where people signed the contract. And remember, contracts are just a formality. No one is going to sign, sign a contract and just not show up to the in the UFC. That just doesn't happen. So let's not let's stop pretending that's a thing. I agreed to the fight. I agreed to the TJ fight. If you want to ask Dana, ask Dana when I sign for the TJ fight. And you guys are going to be wildly surprised. When I say I'm going to show up, I'm going to fucking show up and fight. If we make a deal, I'm a man of the world. I show up and I compete every single time. I do what champions do. You know, basically, I, pro I he goes on to say, I, pro I go to every event you want me to go to. I don't turn down fights. I defend my championship. I do all the promotion. I sell the fight. What do you want me to do? You know, he's like, you want me to be the bad guy? Treat me like a bad guy. Okay, but you're my promoter, basically, is what he's saying. Which, I mean, we've talked about on this show, right, Mike? They don't actually promote anybody. You know? Anybody who gets successful really. is based on their own back. Um, He says, my shins are soft still. I'm still recovering from shins. Mike, he's a minus 275 favorite. We're still betting on Aljo? <laughs> Oh man, I was. I need I was minus. Really I, need, hoping, I need minus two. Uh, close to minus two hundred, man. Come on, man. I was Come. really hoping there was gonna be some some stupid money on O'Malley, which I think it still happens. It's early. Maybe Aljo can limp around and act like it's a tough weight cut, uh, cut at the end. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. If there's a guy I'm confident, by the way, Mark, that if he loses the championship, I don't care how it happens, he's not getting a not getting a rematch. This is one of them. Oh, for sure. I mean, him, he had to win like 10 in a row. To, yeah, him, to, to get a he's shot. in the Tyrone Woodley camp, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Aljamain made the mistake when his first contract was up to actually say, hey, I'd like to wait till I'm a free agent. And then from that moment on, they decided, fuck him. Really? That's. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he he's had, I mean, we, we talked about Sterling. He's had a hard time kind of getting a fan base around him, even though, you know, the numbers speak extremely highly of his accomplishments in the weight division. And now even as a champion, um, you know, there's always just uh, unfortunately been some caveats that really, he doesn't help his own they, cause a lot of times, but they're, but they're also like not his fault. It's yeah. not his fault. Peter Yawn, you know, need him illegally. And it's not his fault. TJ uh, Dillashaw showed up injured for his fight, but these are just things that haven't helped him garner that kind of respect that he should have because i mean obviously when you when you look at what he's accomplished in the division and what he's accomplished as a champion he's setting records now and he should be more well regarded than he is but yeah i absolutely agree with you that dana white and company will quickly drop him as soon as he loses a fight so he really does have to, to fight and, and, and keep that title and, and you know to to remain at this level because i think they they would be happy to you know, have him be in contender type fights for a while and not get another shot if he ends up losing. I mean, yeah, like you'd be nice if the promoter promoted the fighter. But that being said, if we promote him too much and he's not the champion, he might have the audacity to ask for money. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't them having big stars helps and hinders them at the same time. Right. Because there's only been so many that have been very complimentary to the UFC. Most of them, when they get to that level start asking like hey like i want a bigger slice of the, the pie like i i know you guys are getting a lot more revenue than what i'm getting paid and i want to start seeing paychecks and that's when you know there becomes this tension and then you know things don't quite you know go the way that and then you know, they're the scared to take fights and they want to take no risks and they're fat well, exactly. and blah blah yeah, blah, exactly. blah blah yep. speaking of the pie mike let's talk about that pie because um 
Wait, wait, let me get let me get those numbers. Back Shout up. out to Bloody Elbow, now independent. Um, I paid five bucks to subscribe to the U to the Bloody Elbow Substack. It's five dollars per month or fifty dollars per year. Why don't you just do the fifty bucks a year? Because I never, I never oh, save, I, I, save a little money. Well, I did. I, first of all, I'm not trying to shortchange the people of Bloody Elbow. Also, this is my first month paying for it, so let me see how much I enjoy it. So. But Bloody Elbow is the home of John Nash, who covers a lot of fighter pay, and Kareem Zidane, who tells you which of your fighters is, you know, tied to a horrible warlord. Um, so, just to give you guys an idea of the headline of the of the of his breakdown of the UFC numbers, because they, uh, you know, they're they're, I believe they had the file with the SEC. I believe they're called K eight, was it or something? Um, because of the WWE deal, um, 13% revenue share, fighter pay drops, UFC profits blow past every fight promoter combined. So just some more color to that. Um, the UFC was keeping the fighter pay between 16 and 20%. We're at 13% for 2022. Um, there was no John, and they spent less on fighter pay. There was no John Jones fight um, for John Jones didn't fight at all in 2022, actually, and Connor didn't fight at all in 2022, which is what uh, Mr. John Nash has attributed a lot of this to. Mike, you might think maybe we spent a little bit on these uh, big fighters. Maybe we made less money last year. Yeah, I would think so. Fucking nope. UFC 1.14 billion dollars in revenue. That is up from. <laughs> Billion. That is up from one about one billion in 2021 and a little less than 900 million in 2022. Their revenue has gone up from 890 million to one 1.14 billion in two years. Okay, their net income has gone from 178 million to 388 million in those two years. Okay, they are their operating costs are down. Okay, their expenses across the board are down. Right, their revenue is up. These people are fucking printing money. How is that even like? Yeah, that is amazing. Four letters, E S P N. That's why. Yeah, ESPN can make your sport grow, man. Here we are. And let me tell you that ESPN uh, that contract renewal is going to come up. It's going to be even more. Um, yeah, because besides. Besides the UFC, I know they're still growing ESPN Plus, but I think the UFC is ESPN Plus. What I was about to say, what else is there really on ESPN Plus? Like, I mean, what you, I mean, granted, we are an MMA podcast, so maybe this is a little myopic. But for what other reason do you go on the ESPN Plus subscription? This is the only reason I do. I used to watch, um, you know. He's he's now passed. I watched the Kobe show. Ah, uh, uh, details. And I watched the Cor. I don't know if Cormier is still doing them. I watched some of the because Cormier was doing it for MMA because they have. I think Peyton Manning was doing it for football too. Maybe I thought that was really interesting. Um, but I don't even know what's on there besides like some out of market well, baseball. Peyton's, there's Peyton's place. I just saw on there when I went to go watch the uh, Angela Hill Mackenzie Dern fight. I saw there's a PK's place now. Like, okay, for PK Subban. I mean, Jesus. I mean, just retreads I mean, of uh, Peyton Manning. With thing. the like live sports, I see they got some UFC, F1, MLB, La Liga, uh, some Bundesliga, some NHL, some top rank. 
And so I'm 30 for, I don't go in there for anything besides UFC fights. That's, that's it. Um, and that goes up every year, the price too. Um, I mean, let's just talk about it, man. These guys are making money hand over fist and the fighter pay is less than it was the year before. I think we talked about it before the ESPN deal. Like, Hey man, uh, the you, 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 the fighters need to get organized now because the train is leaving the station. This contract's coming up for renewal. Okay. We have all the UFC fighters. We have all the WWE fight, uh, wrestlers. Okay. They are the product that's being sold here. Right. They aren't producing the product. They are the actual product. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know what? They all play. They got these people out there willing to fight for free. You know, we got we got a situation out here where the biggest star in the UFC is the three letters. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to change. That's why PFL doing what they're doing is a big deal, man. It's a really big deal if they can put a dent in this, because the UFC controls this sport. The UFC is this sport. The UFC makes more than every boxing and MMA promoter combined. Good job. And I mean, Mike, honestly, I mean, like. Actually, let me go to Mark on this one. Mark, when we talk about like the fighter pay stuff and and whatnot, and I know we talk about Dana White being a liar and sure they're paying 13%. I don't even blame the UFC for this. Like. No, it was. It, it, I think Dana knew going into helping buy the UFC with the Fertitas. It was like, this is very potentially very profitable. And if we can, you know, control the fighters, you know, if they don't have, you know, um, bargaining capacity, I don't we don't know let it get to boxing. We don't let you don't let yeah. it get to boxing levels of control. Yeah. And if so, if we can do that, if we can keep these guys independent and if we can grow the sport, how I think a lot of people watching the sport early on before it was bought kind of knew like there's something special here. There's something that has a mass appeal that could generate a lot more revenue and money than where it was currently, especially in the States where it wasn't nearly as popular, um, that it could be extremely profitable, you know, and, and obviously you have to give credit for him and the Fertitas, you know, putting the money on to, um, you know, take that gamble, but it's obviously worked tenfold and has only continued to grow. And I think as it's grown and gotten bigger, you know, as fans and, and we're not the only ones, I think lots of people that have watched the sport grow have always been concerned that there has been an unequal share between what the fighters make and how well the organization's doing. And, you know, I think there's that's why a lot of fans have been clamoring for some kind of union so that these guys could get a bigger piece of the pie. Now, like we've said in recent years, when politics started getting more into it, I think we've all just kind of lost a little interest in fighting for the fight because there's been a lot of opportunities. A lot of people have brought up the the fighters union and it, it just stalled out every time it just like they, they can't get together to work it out so like like you said bobby like and i agree with you like hey there's a big deal coming up you guys need to get your you know your bargaining power to have a you know have a seat at the table they're not going to. they let leslie smith die on the vine they let cajun johnson lie on the die on the vine they let they let them fucking kick the shit out of our boy the real estate agent alejandro um, Ally Quinta. I like his Twitter account, Alejandro in Espanol. Makes me happy. Um, mm-hmm. we got they. I it's the UFC is not running. A, UFC is running a business, right? And they're and they're basically successful. they're running a business. They're probably textbook definition of a monopoly at this point, right? Yeah, and 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 it's honestly, not their like, responsibility. It's I, I mm-hmm. as much as we're shitting on Dana White, and I would prefer if he didn't lie. Okay, honestly, that's really it. I prefer if he didn't shit on the athletes, but like. <laughs> 
them only paying the fighters 13 14%, fucking ask for more. And MMA managers are a serious problem. They're a, they don't do anything. At well, all. and <laughs> don't expect the company to change at all now, too, because now they're publicly traded. Mm. So, like, I think what I was kept thinking when Mike was like, man, look at, like, the profit margins they've had year after year. That means you can't go to your shareholders and be like, yo, look, these numbers are insane. We can't keep growing 20% year over year. It's unfathomable. You can't go to a shareholder. Yeah, it, that's it, not how it works like, in business. Yeah, we're going to hit those numbers. I am a shareholder. Better. I, I'm I'm losing money hand over fist with this stupid company for some reason. But, but you yeah, but but you know they they can't they have to keep predicting. Every company does this. They have to keep predicting. Yeah, we're going to continue to grow as big as we have, and and, and get bigger, right? You 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 can't project that you're going to stay the course. And, and yeah, well, even though another year at twenty percent is insane in and of itself, you can't go and say like, oh yeah, we're just going to shoot for this is our new ground where we're just going to increase 20 but no 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 we're increasing another five percent because we're going to do this other deal and that other deal so it's like they have to keep generating i mean when the machine starts rolling like this they gotta pay to for this generating. fucking four billion dollars they paid for the ufc still they gotta pay for how much they paying vince was it nine billion they oh, get this yeah. money has to, they mean, have to pay this money bet to pay well, these banks like, and that's why they're, they're like, we're going to merge these two, mm. you know, very profitable companies where we're kind of taking advantage of the talent pool. Mm. And, you know, the talent's not getting a big cut. So, like, it's all profit outside of what they have to pay for the athletes. And then what, like, some marketing, setting up venues and stuff like that's not that big a piece of the pie of what they're getting out. So it's just like, yeah, this is going to continue. There's no incentive for the UFC to, you know encourage a fighters union or have a bigger market share unless the pfl can really put a huge dent in their financial gains and it doesn't it seems it's really far away unlikely that they're going to be able to do that right it, it would seem like it would take a lot it's going to take more than just francis it's going to take an upheaval of ufc's top talent conor mcgregor's all the big boys saying like you know what the grass is just greener over there dog and you start abandoning ship and it weakens the product. And that's, that's a big, ass. you know, honestly, so, I don't think that even like, I think we're too far in They're Like they're like WWE, the grasp is too strong, right? Mm -hmm. What can happen here though, is at least with the existence of the PFL, right? And it's not like the PFL is running a fucking, uh, they're doing like, an, it's not like a fucking altruistic operation there. It's, they're trying to make money too. Right. But they have to be competitive to draw the talent. We can nudge the UFC up to 25%, maybe. You know, we get them spending more yep. to keep their talent. You know, instead of offering somebody 30 and 30, we offer them 50 and 50 off the jump or something. You know, we offer a little bit more. But Because if not, we're just going to populate these cards with everybody from the Dana White looking for a Wednesday night fight at the Contender Series in Vegas, yep. maybe in Baton Rouge nightclub thing, whatever it's called, you know? Like, uh, Mike, go ahead. To, sorry. That, to that end... UFC fighter, even UFC fighters themselves have to be hoping that this Francis PFL thing works out because outside of there being competition, possibly taking their fighters who they funnel into all of these ESPN plus cards in, you know, in, in, in the apex, uh, do you see them budget from 12%? Not at all. They're I mean, not the, going to pay the, literally the business model what they have to. The, the business model was literally designed for them to not be giving out more than 20%. There's literally in like there's paperwork, there's emails, all this stuff. Their entire business model is based on 20% being the maximum. And they got it down to 13. 
right? 13. That is nothing, all right? Again, these people aren't making your product. They are your product. You know what? This is not the people building the iPhone. The iPhone, this is the iPhone. That's who these people are. That's what the fighters are, the actual product. And yeah, they are, uh, and remember like Ariel would talk about, fighters would tell them, media should talk more about fighter pay. And Ariel's like, we do. We did it for years. What do you want us to do? You have to do something. What do you want us to do about it? Like, we can only report it. You know? And you got these MMA managers that are all useless. And you tell me, man, you got 300, you got like 100 UFC fighters under contract as a manager. You push hard for one of them, they blacklist your entire fucking roster. Who's more fucked? The UFC or the manager? The fucking manager. They'll survive. The UFC will fill the card with... Do you see this pay-per-view that's coming up, guys? It's Amanda Nunes versus Irina Aldana. No one's going to buy this thing. Co-main event, Benil Darius, Charles Oliveira. It's a great fight. No one's going to pay for this thing. The rest of the thing, they'll fill it up with whatever. They will go back to main eventing pay-per-views with like shit like Rashad Evans versus Thiago Silva in a heartbeat. And there's nothing. And they're just printing money. So, I don't know when the ESPN deal is up. I want to say a year from now. Somebody should probably do something. I don't know. Somebody, an upper mid-card UFC fighter calls the upper mid-card of the WWE. Maybe we get all the talent together. Like, hey, you know, maybe we all fucking, you know, get treated as like, maybe we draw a line here or something, you know? I like the I like how the WWE wrestlers were excited about the idea of Endeavor taking over their company. They don't know. Hmm? They don't know what's about to happen. That cut day is going to be bad. They've been getting they've been getting whipped by the Vince McMahon oh, machine. They're like, they, oh, Mark, take they announced AEW came to exist and they started giving five year deals. This is before the pandemic. They start giving five year deals to everybody. They start giving five year deals to people AEW wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole. But they have to they had to do something. So they apt up the pay. They offer people longer contracts. Yada yada yada. PFL does that. PFL could be that. PFL could be the thing that gives because the fighters aren't doing shit. So maybe the PFL pushes it hard enough that, you know, they actually, you know, if you're going to try to sign somebody to a six-fight contract, you actually have to pay them, you know? Yeah, because even if, let's say, three, let's say, like, three out of the, let's say, like, four of the top ten heavyweights, right, they play out their contracts and they end up going to PFL for the chance, let's say, um, one of multiple chances to fight uh, in Ghana. Right. Mm. At that point, that makes the heavyweight division, which has been a lot deeper yeah, than it's good. been in, in the last few years, that automatically makes it pretty shallow. How and many, if John, how many, how many if John divisions, Jones, Mike, does it have to happen? Mike, John, how many divisions does this have to happen to actually make an impact on their bottom line? That's the worry. It has to be a fair amount. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to Yeah, it off. can't Go just ahead. be one division. Mm hmm. But what I was just trying to say was that if if even at least for the heavyweight division, that would cripple it, I think, for the UFC. I think it would be, I mean, not as bad as, like, the women's featherweight division, but it would make it that there's very slim pickings for whoever the champion is in that division. And at this point right now, I guess arguably their most famous and biggest star in, in John Jones makes it a little hard for him to have fights and sell any pay-per-views probably lowers his bottom line as well by the way 
Uh, I'm not saying that I would have done anything different than John Jones did in this regard, but remember when John Jones held out fighting in the UFC for like three years because he wanted more money? He caved. Francis oh, didn't. Yeah. Francis didn't cave. Just pointing that out there. I'm not saying I would have done it. I'm not saying I would have been Francis in this, but I, I there's think that there's too. Also, mm -hmm. I think there's also John was there trying to fight for more money, and he just kept fucking he was up. under contract for, what, X number of fights. Mm -hmm. I think he was just refusing uh, any fights, mm -hmm. whereas Francis was like, I'll play your game. Mm -hmm. I'll do the minimal requirement that you guys are giving me, and I'll become a free agent, and then I'll go from there. I have act true power. Mm -hmm. There was a small window where that sunset clause thing uh, was in their contract that guy got taken out of the contracts and uh, cost them Francis and Nate Diaz, basically. That's how they both got out. Where the contract just, you know, expires. Not a thing anymore. So, so much about me challenges contract in court because I don't think it would hold up to even the slightest bit of scrutiny, Mike. Probably not. Yeah. Who's going to be the one to do it, though? Joro, George is out, too, by the way. GSP's out, too, now. His son said it. But G GSP's old. GSP's out on the set of uh, Captain America with Seth Rollins. So I saw that picture, yeah. That's kind of cool. About, by I'm the way, the Seth one, Rollins is playing. The one in the movie, the, I think he's a member of some... Um, I saw this. I'll, I'll look it up and tell you after the show. But he's part of some faction there um yeah we talked a lot about money this podcast but you know let's talk about the fights from last week real quickly everybody was pretty impressed with Mackenzie Dern it's what I read and what I heard Mackenzie Dern beat Angela Hill's ass and looked pretty good on the feet too apparently also Mark so mm -hmm. yeah. I heard that this is the first fight a lot of people thought like oh she might like be at the top of this weight class now mm -hmm. really yeah this fight really showed her turning that corner um, especially in her striking game, because like like we talked about last week, I thought Angela Hill, if this was going to be, you know, mostly a stand up fight, I thought technically she would be a lot stronger. She would use her footwork to kind of dance around, score some kicks, score some decent punches here. Mackenzie Dern went fucking after her like the pressure was real throughout this fight and she landed big shots. She hurt uh, Angela Hill multiple times. Most of the time when she got her down wasn't even off of takedowns it was off of strikes she would either knock her down with a punch in the third round she landed a super nice standing knee not like a clinch knee but like angela hill ducked down just a little bit and she caught her with a beautiful knee there was i think at the end of the first and second round um she got really close to finishing with an armbar at the end of the round when she got on top i mean as we we thought mackenzie dern would have a huge advantage on the ground on the when she was on top she was able to advance position. She got mount multiple times and was just fucking mean in mount. Like she was throwing heavy elbows, a lot of ground and pound, um, and then went for those submissions when, you know, a lot of times there wasn't a ton of time left to complete them. And, you know, to give Angela Hill some credit, very tough, took a lot of tough shots on the ground, did a lot of things to survive, um, but all ultimately was really outclassed in this fight. Um, and yeah, I think it was kind of, a, a turning point for Dern, you know, when she came to the UFC, she was highly touted for her grappling ability, but her standup really lacked, um, you know, early on, there was some fights where she landed a big punch and would get the girls down and would finish them. This fight, she really showed that that 
aspect of her game is getting a lot better because not only, you know, she's throwing hard and being aggressive and her stamina also, you know, held up through five hard rounds where she was keeping up a good pace. Um, but she she was throwing shots and staying in a position to continue to throw shots and put pressure on. She wasn't overexerting herself or, you know, missing big winging shots. She was staying right in the pocket, throwing multiple shots, not letting Angela Hill get anything off. So this was a, a really good performance. You know, it's unfortunate she couldn't finish the fight, but you, it wasn't for lack of trying. Like, she fucking went after it. She really put a beating on Angela. And, and she had I think a lot going on too, man. There was the whole thing where like, she didn't have time with her coach. She's going through a divorce. I think she's a single mom now. There's a lot. Happening. I, like, I, I, I read all that stuff. Cool. Like I, I was betting on Angela to, on um, Mackenzie to win. And then I saw that and I was just like, oh, let me back this bet out here. Cause those are normally things that don't go so well for someone, you know? And then I was just like, this, let me just change it. The fight goes over two and a half. But s seriously though, they, um, I saw some of the highlights. At least she looked. She just came like bat out of hell. She was like, "I'm a, I'm going after this chick." Did she yeah. go five uh, zero? Was it four one? How did she do ultimately? I think uh, she, I think she lost the second round. Yeah, that that round had a bit more. I mean, where Angela was fairly strong was in the clinch. She she was kind of able to muscle up against the cage, and that round she did that better than in any other rounds where she kind of controlled the clinch. She landed some good knees. I think she even eventually kind of took Dern down off the clinch, and I think Dern was able to reverse it. That was the one round where, like, statistically, Hill was a little bit more active. Um, but the other rounds, I don't know what the she got, final she got, score was. She got 49-44 on two scorecards, 49-43 yeah. in the other. So two judges gave her two 10-8s. One judge gave her mm. three 10-8s. Yeah, Man, Angela got Angela. Yeah, like like I said, there was mul there was two rounds where she almost had her in an armbar at the end of the round, and a couple of those rounds when she was in mount, like the ground and pound was serious. Like this was like you could stop the fight at this point. I mean, Angela did the things she needed to do to survive. She didn't just turn to her back. She moved around. She made it hard to just get wailed on, but she got fucking wailed on. Like Dern looked really good, and I think after the fight, I did read that she called out Rose. I think Rose is a big tough fight for her because i think the stand-up while she's improved isn't quite at that level yet and rose is also really good at grappling but if dern and rose fights i think one that's a very interesting fight i think that sells well that should, i think that's pay-per-view worthy for sure oh, yeah. i hate to see it on just a fight night and oh, i better be event if it's a fucking fight night i better be on front oh, of people i better be in front of absolutely. people absolutely it needs to be five round. I mean, I think it should be five rounds, honestly. But it, it, then, then, then it can't really be pay per view. But regardless, um, if Dern and Rose do fight, and Dern is able to win that fight, then it really, I think, that's the big feather in her cap. Because I think that's what she's lacked right now. She's looked good in her fights. She hasn't had that opposition to really cement herself as like a strong contender. But this was the performance to kind of get those type of fights. So we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, you gotta you gotta challenge people like that, right, Mike? Because we we, we can't just have the same musical chairs of Carla Rose and Wei Lee. You know, I know Lemoch is getting a title shot, but it's like lightweight where we just kept having Gaethje and Chandler and fucking Poria keep fighting each other, which we're doing again. Shout out to her yeah. for asking, huh? <laughs> no, no, I I agree. Um, do I think she has a shot? I, I would say she she has a shot a shot in winning that fight. And I, I think it would be a breath of fresh air. Um, I would be interested in, 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 in watching that for sure. Yeah, and uh, you saw it. What'd you think, man? She looked good? I I thought she looked great. Um, her stand-up looks like it's much improved. She had 
uh, controlled aggression throughout this fight that when she picked her spots really well, I think, when she really went in for the kill. But And I, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought that while she had while she's had power like mark alluded to in the past um before she would just kind of spam and you know wing out a lot of a lot of right hooks and just try to land that one particular punch but this time she she mixed it up very well and uh there were also certain moment moments in in the fight that i felt like shades of ronda rousey in, in some of the approaches where she would flurry in and the flurry was it felt all pretty much just specifically just to get a hip toss in and she was very effective in doing that uh, at various points throughout the fight so uh dominant effort poor angela hill's face looked really bad by the end of this fight so uh all in all great effort by her yeah um and then uh, a couple other things to mention from the card. Looks like the Edmund Shabazian thing, that didn't go so well. Um, really can't um, really can't manage his gas tank, is what it seems like, to be honest. I'm still working on that. Nice wins for uh, nice win for Anthony Hernandez. Nice win for fucking Joaquin Buckley. Another fucking highlight reel. The UFC owns, I think they owe Joaquin Buckley about $4 million based on social media engagement. Between his knockout, all of his knockouts, I'm not even kidding. Like, I need to know how much money they've made on fucking ads in front of these uh, these knockouts Walking Buckley's put together, guys. Because, man's a highlight reel. Um, Michael Johnson, capable of winning and losing to any fighter. Decided to go with the losing route against Diego Ferreira. Um, Carolina Kovalkiewicz beat up De uh, Vanessa Demopoulos for three rounds. Can't be losing three rounds to Carolina Kovalkiewicz at this point, man. She is like 38 years old, and uh, we thought she was going to retire two years ago. So uh, UFC's back in two weeks and uh, with a card on ESPN, regular ESPN, headlined by Amir, Alba Amir Albazi and Kai Kara France. Really good fight, honestly. Um, it's at the apex, though, so fucking hate that. Jared Gordon against Jim Miller. Big fan of that fight. Bruce Leroy versus Daniel Pineda. Good veteran fight. I mean, there's some interesting shit going on, but it'd be nice if human beings were there to watch it. So, um, all right. Uh, the other thing, the other other part of the UFC news dump I want to talk about right now before we go to stuff we like is uh, UFC announced a pay-per-view for Salt Lake City. Back to Salt Lake City, City UFC 291. Um, fights on this card. Jan Blahovich versus Alex Baher. I'm going to go with the main event last. Co-main event, Alex Pereira's 205-pound debut against Jan Blahovich. Makes it seem like uh, Poatan's getting a title shot if he wins one fight, guys. Just putting that out there. Um, Tony Ferguson, fresh off of a DUI, taking on Bobby Green. Um, we're going to call that the fight that just makes Mark sad, no matter what happens. Um I'm glad Green's getting a fast turnaround because that was disappointing in his last fight. Don't that, want Tony uh, to fight, though. Headbutt, We're being so. honest with ourselves right now. Maybe Tony sure. shouldn't fight anybody. Ikram Asakurov versus Paulo Costa. Um, Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Michelle Prejeda. I like that fight a lot. That one sounds like just two big welterweights that throw, that throw strikes. Sounds like fun. 
Derek Lewis versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima and Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland. Really good fight, guy. A fight card, right? Main event: Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje for the BMF title. Say that again: Dustin Gaethje versus uh, Don, uh, Dustin Poirier two for the BMF title. Uh, excuse me. I'm pretty sure the BMF champion is Jorge Masvidal. I mean, no, the Jorge, uh, the BMF champion. Well, according to them, they said, "Well, Jorge Masvidal retired, so now the BMF championship is vacant." I was under the impression, Mark, that the BMF champion doesn't exist because we did it one time because Nate Diaz made said some shit and they decided to make a belt out of it. That being said, if there was a title, pretty sure it's over in Birmingham sitting next to Leon Edwards because I thought that's how it works when you lose fights. I, I mean, personally, for me, the BMF thing, I mean, it was always silly, but like, you had to be a certain type of fighter to 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 garner yourself in that that league. So for me, when Jorge eventually lost, and then yeah, it became like the 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 middleweight title, not the middleweight, the the welterweight title. I never really bought into that because I think to qualify for that organization, you have to be a certified gangster. And you, well, well, I, I, I like, can't tell if you're being serious. This is just this is just a fucking toy I mean, they're putting out am. there, right? I kind of am. Okay, like the reason enough. like that worked is like these two guys. They will punch you in the street. Case in point, there's multiple videos of uh, Jorge fighting people in the street, including fighters like Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. And we just saw Nick Diaz choke out some uh, uh, Logan Paul lookalike. And we've seen him slap multiple people. You know, it's like those are gangsters. And that's what I consider to be the quote unquote bad motherfucker. So as much as I like Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier, and I think they're fantastic awesome exciting fighters they don't really fit my mold of what a bmf is and to be honest there's not a lot of those guys in the ufc in general so so i, I honestly i disagree with whatever. you i that part i disagree with you because i first of all there's no definition for this shit because literally nate diaz said something jorge said something and someone said maybe there should be a belt and then the rock said i'll i'll give the belt to whoever wins this thing and then the ufc's mm -hmm. like fuck we got to make a belt and then here we were um my definition of a BMF, these two would both qualify for easily. That being said, this is fucking stupid. This is seriously fucking stupid. Yeah, what, the the UFC is like, the Dana White's like, we were in the war room putting fights together. And, uh, you know, we just said, you know, this is the one that makes sense. What I think happened was they were in this war room and someone said, how the fuck are we going to sell a pay-per-view with no title fights? And then someone said, how about that fucking uh, silver trinket we have in the corner over there? That Dana's using to balance his desk. What if we put that on the line and say that it's for that? Huh? That's how I think we got here. Because, like, and I can't believe this is the only title fight. They made up a title fight. This is the only one on there. Like, this is a, a pay-per-view with zero title fights. It is zero title fights. No Nate Diaz. No Conor McGregor. No Ronda Rousey. It's a zero championship fight pay-per-view. When was the last time we had one of those? Honestly. Like, anybody remember? Uh, no, I mean, I, Rashad Evans and uh, you're going back Hayes? to Rashad and Diego Silva. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, mean, I guess that one too, yeah. But I mean, what I will say is, like, hey, if you're not going to have a title on a pay per view card, they better fucking be like this. This is still a good no, the, card. The card I mean, fucking rules. 
I like, mean, yeah, and I mean, you could say that it was all just a bait and switch because Francis News came out and they wanted to steal the headlines and all that. But like at the end of the day, they're putting together a card that I would be willing to pay for. And there's pay-per-views where I can't say that. So while I will begrudge them that like, yeah, I do think that it should have a actual title on the line and not just some made up malarkey who in my eyes doesn't even follow the criteria that I've made for this, this BS belt by itself. But if you're going to shovel a bunch of BS in my face and say, gobble, gobble, give me some money for this. This is a good offering. I'm like, okay, I'll go. So I honestly don't think this is worth the pay. I don't think this is a pay-per-view because I've come to understand based on how they've conditioned me. You got to put a title fight, if not two. Like that's what they, it can't be that I might, this is just, again, they have no rules to any of this stuff. They'll print, but they'll still sell this and do fine. Right. It can't just be, what is the biggest fight card this month? That's the one we charge $80 for. Also, there's a pay-per-view three weeks before this. How many fucking pay-per-views are there this year? Wasn't there a stretch a few months ago, guys, when there was three pay-per-views in six weeks or something? Was it? Did I imagine it? Like we are at, uh, let me see UFC events. How many fucking pay-per-views are we at so far this year? Is what I'm curious about. So we are already at for 2023. Let's see. Buh, 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 buh. We are at one, two, three, four, five, six pay-per-views before the end of May. So we're already at six. Seventh is the one in, in two weeks. And then we're going to have got, nine by the time July's over. We'll be at nine pay-per-views when July's over in seven months. Then we've got the one in August with Aljo and O'Malley. Then we got August. You got to assume there's going to be a New York one. They announced August, September, October. Assuming there's only one each of those months the rest of the way, we're still at 14 pay-per-views. This, that number keeps going up too. And you got to assume the New York card is going to be stacked. So that means... The whatever the next pay per view after that is going to be dog shit. I mean, the pay per view that's coming up with Amanda and Aldana is like the third fight is Mike Malott versus Adam Fugit, which I think will be a good fight, but no one should pay any money for ever to watch those two people fight. The entire main, the main card of that pay, of that entire pay per view is probably making four hundred grand total, and two hundred and fifty of it is Amanda. Well, Bobby, that's how you get to $388 million in in, in uh, profit. I like how you're at the profit number. For me, it's the one point. We're, we're at a billion now? We're, 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 we're a billion's going in here? You know? Hey, man, the important number is what do, you, what, do you, what do you have left after all your costs? All right, that's what I focus on. Um, I saw way too many episodes of The Profit to you know get starstruck by the revenue number no i want to what's what is staying in that bank account after bro recurring revenue that's what these companies all care about recurring revenue and their fucking recurring revenue is killing it okay um we just talked about money this whole fucking podcast we're going to talk about uh we're going to preview this kai Kara france card next weekend or next monday we'll do that um right now we're going to do stuff we like um and uh we'll go from there um i'll go real quick um didn't do a lot. Uh, went to a wedding. Mark was there too. It was fun. Didn't know oh, chi- sure. didn't know Children's mm-hmm. Fairyland uh, was a place in Oakland. So fellow Bay Area people, curious how many of you knew this place existed because I had no idea. 
But um, another week where I watched uh, Ted Lasso. Another good episode. Big fan of... Uh, I think the actor's name is Sam Richardson. Maybe. Who plays... Um, you guys know what I'm talking about the guy who plays the like the African rich dude on um Oh on, yeah, uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he plays I forgot the name of the character, but he's he's a recurring character Ed, now on Ed, Ted Lasso. Edward Okufu. Oh yeah, that guy. Um Edwin uh, Edwin Okufu fucking kills it, man. I like Peaky him. Beak. <laughs> him and his fucking crew with the fake handshake shit <laughs> makes me very happy. Um, I thought it was another good episode. Um, and yeah, I watched that. It was good. I think I can stop tossing. We guys should watch Ted Lasso after another week. I think, I think we're, I think we're one episode. I think we're two episodes away maybe from this being done this season. Um, because we are, we have a 12 episode. Yeah. Two episodes left, May 24th, May 31st. So we'll give our season review in, uh, not next week, the podcast after that though. I know Fast and the Furious 10 came out. Have not watched it yet. So, Mike, we got to watch that. So we can talk about Fast 10. Just saying. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I saw... Well, it's in the trailers. Um, but, uh, yo, Gal Gadot's back. Yeah. How Yo, these people are like Marvel car- like Marvel superheroes, Bro, man. I told you. This How is the, this is the scumbag... It's the Marvel Universe for scumbags is what this thing is, okay? I, I particularly liked all of the, like, memes this past week just on when did Fast Fury, like, Fast of the Furious just jump the shark for, for you? And my favorite ones were, I forget which movie it was. Um, Can but I tell it you mine where, before, before you do it? Because I'm curious if yeah, I have one of these memes. Please, so when please. Vin Diesel showed up to his wedding in a white tank top. With a white tank top, white pants. <laughs> that was his <laughs> wedding outfit. <laughs> that was it for me. What was it for you? What were the memes about? You probably, <laughs> and you know what? I can almost imagine there is cutting room floor material mm-hmm. where he is ironing that tank top. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to look presentable because mm-hmm. family is going to be there. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, for me, uh, a few of them were... The one where they're chasing some dude that's on a tank that's in the ice, and Dwayne the Rock Johnson's character like just straight oh. up throws a torpedo. Yes, when the Rock throws a torpedo. <laughs> uh, there was that one. The one where there the, where, the, the, where Vin took the whole building down with a stomp. How about that one? <laughs> no, oh no, I saw that one where like I think the the beam said we're dub earth bends. <laughs> Uh, the other was when Dom, uh, on one car, jumps from that car, mm-hmm. catches Letty in <laughs> midair, and safely turns around and lands on another car. Yeah, he takes that a bump. That was a great one. He takes a bump on a windshield <laughs> and cracks it with his giant back. Um, Yo, he's 50 years I- old. I'm amazed he's just 50 years oh, he's old. At least 50, I'm saying. like And... Honorable mention that I just thought about now, uh, Homeboys in Outer Space from the last movie, mm. when, <laughs> when Ludacris and Tyrese take a sports car into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love these movies. That being said, uh, uh, they got worse. 
after uh, well, you know well, what happened. Excuse me, sir. Numbers don't lie. Like three hundred plus mil worldwide. No, no. I mean like, they're printing money, but for me personally, I've enjoyed them less. Obviously, since uh, Mr. Walker unfortunately passed. So, and it's not just Vin's was, fault. I'll just say this, man. I watch the movies now, and I think, man, it's a lot of Vin Diesel, right? But I remember seeing Fast and the Furious too, thinking, where the fuck's Vin Diesel? You got to give me both of them. You know, it's a yin and a yang situation. You got to give me a little little Paul Walker, or a little Vin Diesel. I haven't seen I, this movie I, yet, but I need to see it. I might be in the minority here, but I enjoyed Tokyo Drift. I think Tokyo Drift is very divisive. Some people, it's really, some people say it's like the best one. Other people are like, well, it's the worst one. I don't know, man. You put Lil Bow Wow shows up 10 minutes in. It's like, hi, my name is Twinkie. And I'm like, well, this is taking me out of the movie entirely. His name, his existence, all of it. All right? That's what did it for me. Um, yeah, I've, I got to watch that. But um, yeah, I watched some Ted Lasso. I watched some, I'm rewatching Mom on Hulu. It's a good sitcom. And I'm going to say this again, because I said it a few months ago, and I got Mark's back. Mark's supporting me here. Young Sheldon's a good TV show. You should watch Young Sheldon. Legit. Yeah, legit. That's a legit good it's a show. good show. All right. I don't, it's, it's significantly better show than The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> In that one's an actual TV show. The other one is people making one-liners that without a laugh track is very awkward. Let's put it that way. But that's what I got this week. Marcus, what do you got? Yeah, not too, too much this week. Um, Personally, there's a game coming out that I'm excited for. Um, It is in the Warhammer 40K universe, uh, which comes out with a ton of games all the time. And and most of them are are fairly forgettable. Um, This one, I I do like it is more of a first person shooter in the vein of like the old Doom games, which I guess people are calling boomer shooters now, which I think is very funny. Um, Warhammer 40K Bolt Gun. Um, Yeah, this one, you know, didn't have a huge lead up to it. I think they announced it like four or five months ago or something like that. And I've had my eye on it and I'm interested in playing it. It has kind of like an old school aesthetic. It's really going for kind of that old school PC doom quake at Wolfenstein type of vibes. And I'm, I'm there for it. Um, the big thing this week, I think though, you know, regarding video games is going to be on Wednesday. PlayStation is having not their state of play, which is like their usual little video conference. This is a PlayStation showcase so these are their bigger, more serious headlining. What's going to be coming out in the in the um, later in the year? There is no more E3. Uh, Summer Game Fest has kind of taken that. Um, but in in lieu of that, this is kind of PlayStation coming out and saying like, "Yo, this is this is what we got coming in this year and the years to come." So I'm anticipating some some fairly interesting titles to be announced and to show more stuff that they've talked about previously. Um, I did mention a couple weeks ago, I did get a PSVR 2, and that hardware is severely lacking software, so I do imagine there's going to be a number of games they're going to announce for um, that there. Um, But yeah, we'll definitely probably see more Spider-Man 2 there for sure. We'll probably see The Last of Us is a multiplayer uh, game there as well. And I imagine there's a lot of Sony studios that have gone dark for a number of years, and this seems as likely a place as any to kind of at least so show a teaser of, of what they're working on, if not show gameplay and all that good stuff. And and one thing that I am anticipating them showing, which is really small scale, um, but I've been looking forward to for years, is um, the sequel to Helldivers, which was kind of an indie game that came out on uh, PS4 
a long time ago and, and uh, arrowhead studios has been one of my you know favorite indie developers they made magicka 2 and they made the newer gauntlet and i think they've done really good work especially in the four player space and there's been a lot of talk about what they're doing with helldivers 2 it looks like it's getting a bigger budget it's might not be like an isometric shooter but an over over, over the shoulder shooter so i'm really interested that's one that i'm personally invested in seeing and really excited to see um but i imagine there's gonna be lots of games that we've never heard of and you know some games that you know we are anticipating so yeah i'm very much looking forward to that that's going to be on wednesday um what would be four o'clock eastern one o'clock uh, pacific so um yeah look out for that marcus have you heard more news about the max Payne remakes it's an important question no like we said last week i didn't i didn't recall it immediately and i think it's just because they announced it like a year ago and it's gone dark so maybe potentially something could be there that does seem like it might be more of a summer game fest jeff Keeley thing because i think they announced the max Payne thing at like the game awards so that could be on the summer game fest who's jeff Keeley? On, uh, he he runs the um uh game awards show he's like the host and he's also like the host and kind of like the person running the show for the game awards and for the summer game fest so he's like kind of a, a big face in the industry and he gets a lot of those exclusives and stuff. So I would probably anticipate seeing it there, but you never know. That's what makes events like what's happening on Wednesday exciting. There's a lot of things in the ether that could potentially show up here and we don't really know what's what. Um, so, you know, I'll be waiting on pins and needles to see what they show. So, yeah. I mean, are you not excited for the AEW fight forever? If it's going to look any, if it's going to be any sim way similar that, to those N64 games? That, that got announced today that it's coming out in late June, which is nice. So we got about a month until that comes out. But mm. they've shown enough of that where I kind of know where I'm thinking and, and personally not having any, you know, I mean, you don't interest give a shit about in the that. organization. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't know who any of the wrestlers are. So it's like, am I going to be able to import? all the old guys from the 80s and 90s that I actually want to play as, or am I going to be you know, limited to the AEW roster? Because the game itself looks looks fun and fine. And yeah, I'm, I'm wondering I'm if I can, stuff. like, if you can go get people. Like, if someone goes and builds, like, I I, want, can yeah. I go download, like, the, yeah. is someone going to build a New Japan? There's a New Japan roster in it at all. Probably not, but it, can I, like, you know... Yeah, if, if, if that is available, I, I think regardless, I want to try it out, just because I like pro wrestling video games, and it, it's mm. not... I don't think it's going to be full price. I think it's going to be, like, 30 or 40 bucks, so it's a little more more feasible um i want to i want to see what they can do if they have something like that where i i'm pretty sure you can create your own wrestler but if they have it so you can share and easily download other people's creations then i'm very interested in that so that would be a huge selling point for me we'll, we'll see so yeah i mean they're gonna get they, they get the benefit of the doubt with me just because of this first one i'll buy it uh better not suck just saying they get the benefit of the doubt one time and then after that i'm waiting for deals on the next ones if it's good you know if it even gets good but I uh, I don't know. We'll see. It's Ukes is back. The Ukes put it together, right? So it's THQ Nordic and Ukes or whatever. I mean, I don't know how mm -hmm. many games they were responsible for, like the No Mercy and stuff. But were they did SmackDowns at all too? Those SmackDown Know Your I, Roles and stuff. I'm pretty sure Ukes was never stopped. They yeah. they did the SmackDowns and then did the 2K series um, until fairly recently. I mean, I think what happened was they. I think it was. 2k 20 or something mm -hmm. like it it was a very bad you know uh, mm -hmm. game so like i think at that point they dropped yukes and they went independent but yukes has also been they've talked about how they've been wanting to do certain things in those games that they just couldn't because they're on such a, a strict mm -hmm. yearly schedule so you know this is more you know th this is what 
AEW wanted. They wanted a throwback to those old um, THQ N64 games. I, there's a lot of people, I think, that have been clamoring for that type of gameplay, too. So let's see how the game fares. And if that style of game is still appealing, I think a lot of times there are nostalgia glasses and people are kind of like, oh, I really wish games were like your and then when you get those games and they're exactly the same or they don't have the model. You're like, I mean, it's been 20 years. I'm really doing the same thing again. Like, you better give exactly. some difference, you know? Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. But it's exciting. I wish him the I best. mean, Kenny Omega has really been like a lot of the thing behind this game. He's been more or less running this thing. So we'll see. It's kind of his baby. So I don't know. You know, if I can throw a motherfucker off the top of a cell, that'd be kind of cool. I heard the WWE game is good, though. The one that came out. Or at least it wasn't. A it'd buggy yeah, disaster. I, the last, yeah, the last one. I, I've, I've always liked the two K series. Well, the last one was a disaster. That was. Uh, I think that it was one. two two years ago. Well, I don't think there was last a game the year before. They skipped a year. Yeah, they, they took a year off. I think it was. I think it was twenty. I think it was two K twenty. I think two K nineteen, or maybe it was two K nineteen. And they took twenty off, and then twenty one and twenty two have been good. The last two how have many, been good. How many updates can happen in wrestling? That you got to make. It's one just every a roster year. update, right? Like, I mean, it's like how much? What are you paying it, for beyond a roster update? Well, it's it's a roster update, and they have a they have a lot of modes. Um, but then I think they usually do their their big mode is kind of like the showcase mode. So I think two years ago mm. it was Rey Mysterio, and this last one I think is John Cena. So and those are kind of interesting. They go through his career, and you know he kind of plays it up and you relive the matches and stuff like that. That actually sounds so kind of cool. Some... The, the Ray one would have been cool just because if they did all the WCW stuff and I was able to like, I think you were able to do the Halloween Havoc stuff, that old matches with Eddie yeah. and stuff. I think that's why I, I do that's it. The, I didn't, I don't play a ton of those, but I did start that one and that's the first match you played. Yeah, I mean, that's my favorite. And that was my favorite wrestling match. That was I my mean, favorite WCW match ever. I fucking loved it. Big fan. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Mike, what do you got this week? Uh, not too much this week. I watched the the Amazon Prime movie Air, uh, starring Ooh, Matt Damon, that. Ben Affleck, uh, Jason Bateman, Chris Tucker, Viola Davis, and Marlon Wayne's in a small part as well. It's about who's the dude? Uh, Sonny Vaccaro. Sonny Vaccaro. Yeah. It. The main character played by Matt Damon was Sonny Vaccaro, who I guess at the time was working at Nike. And essentially, the movie is about the lead up and the development of the Jordan 1s. And the movie goes until the actual meeting with Michael Jordan, where they pitch them on, on what they wanted to do. Um, with him when it comes to his uh, his sneaker brand, which at the time, it was a revolutionary thing, having a sneaker specifically created for a particular athlete. Up until then, uh, everyone in the NBA was wearing either Adidas and Converse, and it was just you were a Converse man or Adidas man, and you were just wearing the same exact sneakers that everyone else was. And with the Jordans, Nike threw a, a big curveball where they put all their eggs into trying to sign Jordan. They personalized uh, the sneaker. And then on top of that, they gave him revenue share as well to, to seal the deal. And at the time, Nike was not the Goliath in basketball that they are now. Uh, they were pretty much close to just folding that particular division. And 
I really enjoyed the movie. I don't know if it's because I have a soft spot for for Jordans, and I particularly still want to get that pair of Jordans, that those Jordan ones, the red and black ones. But they always sell out way too quickly on the sneakers app. But I thought the movie was very good. It went at a brisk pace. I think it was only like maybe an hour and a half, maybe an hour 45. It was definitely less than two hours. It was a good watch. If you have I, Amazon Prime, you should give it a look. Yeah, I watched it too. I thought um, I thought Viola Davis killed it, man. She was so good in this, I thought. as um, I forgot, I forgot Michael to- Jordan, his one request in the movie is that he specifically wanted Viola Davis to play his mother. Yeah, I thought that she did really well. I, I also think when Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are together, it's like they're greater than the sum of their parts when they're together. You know what I mean? They're just uh, – they're so good on screen together. And you, I, I don't know. Some of it is like – I'm sure some of it is a nostalgic kick from like um, when you're like back when it was, uh, you know, Goodwill Hunting and, you know, some of us watch, you know, Dogma and stuff too, but like really Goodwill Hunting and stuff since then, watching those guys together has always been a delight. Um, I thought Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro was good. Did you watch a documentary about Sonny? No. Um, really good, by the way, the 30 for 30 about Sonny. You can, you know, Nike was involved in this because there was a lot of stuff that like they didn't include in their like postscript, which is like, yeah, Phil Knight got rid of all these people slowly. Oh, he did. Yeah, like slowly, all of them. Um, Phil Knight's also a real fucking weirdo. Um, and Ben Affleck did it so well. The whole thing, the not wearing shoes, crap, walking around with his weird fucking curly hair, all that is real. I thought that was good. I thought Ben Affleck was really good. I thought Matt Damon was good. Jason Bateman was good. Oh, I think honestly, Mike, the performances might have been better than the actual like movie, like the plot of the movie and stuff. It's a pretty simple story. Um, but it was. I think it's definitely worth your time. I do think it's people should watch the movie if you're like any. If you're interested, even if you don't like the like, you don't care about basketball or shoes. Even it's just it's not really about that. It's about the people involved and them trying to grow the brand and what they created ultimately. Like Nike, the, the Jordan brand is fucking huge you know so i thought it was uh i really enjoyed it too so anyway yeah it's on prime so anyway i think that's it for this week guys um we are going to be back next week where we are going to talk about uh, kai Kara france uh fighting somebody um i forgot but it looked like a good fight and we'll see what other bullshit they, whatever fights they announce that don't actually come to be. Uh, apparently, Michael Chandler and Connor are may happen at the end of this year. So why don't you guys go ahead and pencil that in for the end of 2024 for when that fight's going to happen? Definitely at middleweight, Mike. Definitely at middleweight. Um, <laughs> look at the size of Connor McGregor's fucking head. Just <laughs> there's no scenario Connor McGregor weighs less than 200 pounds right now. I thought about it. Look at him. Juicy. Just that's yeah. what that head is. That head is juicy. The guy's on the best supplements right now. He's got the, you know, <laughs> that's what he's got going on. But yeah, that's it. Um, I'll be back next week. Thank you all for listening. I was I was uh, Dr. Laud. I was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Yeah, Lakers are down two with four seconds left. Just, you know, just saying. AD is playing like shit. LeBron's dying out there. <laughs> Four seconds. They got the ball. I don't think they got uh, it. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, everybody. 
we uh, we really appreciate it as we talk about a basketball game that you will know the result of. So, goodbye. <laughs>